the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Bob Bergman here broadcasting from my law office in San Jose in the Cambrian Park area. If you're familiar with San Jose, it's the Cambrian Park neighborhood uh, next to Willow Glen and next to Campbell. Uh, I am going to continue today with my usual format of questions and comments from around the state of California. Um, I will also instruct uh, Ken, my engineer today, that uh, I will be taking calls. If someone like would like to call in and ask a question on the air, I'm willing to answer any reasonable question. And if I have the expertise to answer it, I'll certainly do that. The number is 800-516-1220. Please don't ask me who might win the World Series or who will win the next Super Bowl. Um, I'm not an odds maker in Vegas. I'm an estate planning attorney. Again, it's 800-516-1220. If you have a question about estate planning, uh, you can call and I'm willing to talk with you on the air and answer that question. Let me pause for a short drink of water. There, I feel a little bit dry today. It's kind of dry outside, so um, that has a tendency to dry out my throat which is very difficult if you actually make your living talking. And having a talk show is part of the living that I make uh, and only do this once a week. But sometimes uh, if your throat is dry, it's very, very hard. But I'm going to jump right into some questions and comments from uh, the state of California. I'm going to start with one from Kernville, California. I'm not sure where Kernville is. I'm sure somebody out there knows where it is. Sounds like Northern California gold country to me, if I had to guess. Um, Or in Kern County, if it's Kernville, which is Kerntown. Um, This person said, my mom is 91 years old. I've been living near her for the past four years and caring for her, living in her home for the past two years. She would like me to have the home as would my sisters, should we just put everything in a living trust? Uh, We put everything in a living trust last year. Is it possible for me to have the home? Um, And the question is, can mom quit claim her home to me? Uh, The short answer is, yes, she can. Uh, The longer answer is, probably should not at this time. And, uh, And I say that unless 
uh, if if mom quit claims the home to the daughter now, there's a lot of unintended consequences that could flow from that. The first one is that daughter would end up with what's called the cost basis in the home being the cost basis of the 91-year-old mother. Now, if the mother acquired the house a long time ago or if she owned it with her spouse and then he died and uh, and it got revalued at his death, and that was a long time ago, chances are very, very good that the house is worth more today than it was in the past, and that difference would uh, could, could actually be eliminated from income tax consideration if the property is passed on to the daughter when mom passes away. That's how the current tax law works. Now, that's, of course, subject to change in the future, but that's the current tax law right now as I'm talking to you today. Uh, so if a gift is made of the property by quitclaim to the daughter, the daughter receives the property at its capital gains tax value of the mother, which could be quite a bit less than the current market value. So that's a disadvantage of doing that. But there's another issue. And uh, now this person says she's been living in mom's home for the last two years. If it's quit claim today, there could be an avoidance of reassessment of the property taxes if the daughter continues to live in the home as her residence and if the value of the home, the market value of the home, when the quit claim takes place, does not exceed the current assessed value, which is what the value is for property tax purposes. It'll be on an assessment bill that comes every year from the county assessor, wherever this property is located. And as long as it does not exceed that amount plus a million dollars, then the daughter would be able to receive the home and not have to worry about the property taxes going up to the current market value rate. Now, this is as a result of Proposition 19. It's one of the issues in Proposition 19, which took effect back in the middle of February of this year, 2021. And because of that, this is the kind of situation where I would really sit down with the family, find out why they want to accomplish this, and why a better approach might be to just amend or modify mom's living trust to provide that the property passes to her daughter at mom's death. That uh, would likely still qualify to for an exclusion from reassessment because I'm guessing properties in Kernville, California are not um, over a million dollars. I don't know that's a fact, but I'm guessing that's probably the case. And the other thing is um, by doing it that way, there could be alternatives to uh, an alternative beneficiary if for some reason the daughter does not survive the 91-year-old mother, which can happen. It does happen now and then. And in a case like that, um, there can be an alternative beneficiary. In this case, it would likely be the other daughters or maybe the daughter's child or children if there's uh, grandchildren through that person. So it's a simple question. But as you can see, it's a a fairly complicated answer. And uh, what I have found is there are lots of simple questions 
that uh, people have that often have complicated answers. So I just want to make sure that we kind of covered that. And uh, if you're facing a situation like this, I suggest consulting with an estate planning attorney, whether it's consulting with someone like me or someone in your part of the Bay Area or beyond the Bay Area. If you're listening to this uh, streaming on your phone on an app, I know I do have some people that listen to the show from other parts of the state or maybe even other parts of the country. That's great. Give a shout out to all of you there. Um, but that would what be would be I would advise to this. Uh, Let's try that again. That's what I would advise to this family is consult with an estate planning attorney. I have time for one more quick question. Here's someone says, I bought a condominium in Panama with a friend. We each want to have our 50% placed into our individual living trust when we create them. Can we split the property? Well, first of all, here's the deal. If it's in the country of Panama, there is no way to place your interest in a condo in Panama into a revocable living trust in the United States. Uh, Panama does not recognize that form of ownership. In fact, virtually the entire world does not recognize that form of ownership other than the United States, which means any planning to uh, for that property in Panama has to be done in Panama, perhaps by having wills drawn up in Panama to say where you want that property to go if, when you die. Uh, the person indicated they have young heirs, which means uh, minor children, and that's what I would recommend to these people. Go to an abogado or attorney in Panama and have things set up there. So this is the end of the first segment of the show today. When we come back, I'll continue with more questions and comments. You can call in if you want to ask a question on the air, 800-516-1220. This is Attorney Bob Bergman. I'll pick up again on the other side of the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue with more questions and comments in this second segment of our show today. So let me jump right in. Out of Los Angeles, what do I need to do to update my home insurance once I put my home in a trust? And will this affect my coverage if I put my home in a trust? Well, if it's a revocable living trust so that you're retaining ownership and control of the trust, it's a matter of telling your insurance agent, I've transferred the title of my home into a living trust and provide them information about that. That's pretty much all you need to do. It would not affect your coverage uh, because you're still the owner of the property. Uh, If you were to transfer your home into an irrevocable trust, well, that becomes a separate issue. Uh, Then you're likely going to have to redo the insurance policy entirely uh, because Uh, you're no longer the owner of the house. If it's an irrevocable trust, that means you've transferred ownership away from you uh, into an irrevocable trust, an unchangeable trust. Okay, here's here's a a topic that comes up every now and then. It comes up every now and then in my practice as well. Again, out of Los Angeles. 
Can I buy out my siblings and keep my deceased parents home? We're all on the trust as equal shares. They do not want the house. Okay. Our parents are both deceased. There's a trust with my brother and myself as trustees. I'm currently living in the home. My brother and sister are willing to relinquish their rights to the home. What do I need to do to avoid reassessment fees? Also, what forms need to be completed? I'm not going to answer the second part, but the first part is um, I would need to ask a bunch of questions of this family. But the primary thing is, does the trust have other assets that are equal in value to the interests of the brother and sister that don't want the house? For example, if the house is worth $600,000 so that each share would be $200,000, is there $400,000 of other assets? Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, cash in the bank, uh, jewelry, precious metals, stuff like that, that the two, the brother and the sister who uh, don't want the house, that they could receive cash or other assets instead so that 100% of the house could go to the child that wants to keep the house. That would be the first part of the equation. Um, if that is fulfilled, then you can avoid reassessment. But now you have to go to Proposition 19. And the question there is, is the market value of the house greater than um, or rather less than the assessed value plus a million dollars? So if the assessed value of the house is $200,000 and the house is valued at $700,000. Well, 200 plus 700 uh, or two, 200 plus a million is a million two. 700 is less than 1.2 million. So the assessed value would stay at 200. So that's how you avoid reassessment, uh, property reassessment. Um, so the, it's actually one question with two parts to the answer. And, and I hope uh, as you hear about these things, if you're facing a situation like this, you need to consult with an attorney immediately to sort out just what the issue or issues is going to be in reference to one child wanting to keep in and reside in the parent's house. Uh, in this last one here, it's also crucial um, not just that they want to own the house, but they have to live in the house. And the reassessment exclusion only lasts as long as the child continues living in the house. If the child moves out, makes it a rental property, uh, then you could end up losing that uh, exclusion from reassessment. And as soon as the assessor finds out you no longer have it as your residence, they will reassess back to uh, probably back to the date that you moved out uh, and then issue a supplemental tax bill. Uh, for many properties, being reassessed to the full fair market value could cause the taxes to go up four, five, six hundred percent over what they have been. I have a lot of clients here in Santa Clara County that have owned their homes for many, many years. 
30, 40, 50 years. And uh, and I have clients that are paying less than $1,000 a year in property taxes, but someone buying their house would end up paying eight, nine, or $10,000 a year or more uh, because of what the market value is. So property tax reassessment and avoidance of reassessment is a huge issue in estate planning. And, and I would say never, never, never try to do any transfers on your own without confirming that it's going to avoid reassessment or without being aware that it will not avoid reassessment. And in fact, there will be a reassessment of the property. Um, I cannot emphasize that too much. Fewer things worse than doing a transfer and then finding out that the property taxes just went up by 300, 400, 500, 600 percent over what was being paid. And now the person may not be able to afford the property taxes. There may be no mortgage on the property, which is great. Uh, and handling, you know, $2,000 a year property taxes, that's doable. Uh, but if it's now suddenly $12,000 a year or $1,000 a month, someone might not be making a lot of income. Someone might be making, you know, $30,000 a year gross. $12,000 a year in property taxes may be cost prohibitive for that person. They may not be able to afford that, which could force the property being sold. And And this is one of the things that uh, I just want to emphasize, don't try to do this on your own. There's a lot of things that can go wrong if you're not aware of what the issues are dealing with property tax reassessment. Got one more out of Los Angeles to cover before the mid-show break. Um, someone want to know, is our trust written correctly? Um, my husband and I created a trust a long time ago when our daughter was 11 years old and our son was 22. We named our son the trustee in case of our passing. The lawyer at the time specified in the trust that 50% of our property would go to our daughter, but never put in what percent of the trust would go to our son. Is this the correct practice or did he miss something and we should revisit our trust papers? Short, quick answer, revisit the trust papers. If it doesn't say what go where the other half goes, that's an ambiguity in the trust, and it's not automatically going to go to your son. It needs to say that it goes to your son if that's what your intention is. So I would say it's time to have that revisited, time to have the trust amended. If it's been a long time, it may be time to actually redo the trust um, because there have been some changed circumstances and maybe better ways of planning than when you set it up back when your daughter was 11 years old. Uh, that's the kind of thing I can assist with. I do it regularly. So I'll talk with you after the mid-show break. This is Attorney Bob Bergman. Catch you on the backside. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with Attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Diving right back in here. Uh, someone asked a question, can I get copies of my mother's reverse mortgage documents from the county recorder's office? If not, where can I get copies? It says we've not been able to find the loan documents anywhere in the house. Well, I'll tell you what, the, um, 
the only thing you could get from the recorder's office would be a copy of any deed of trust that was put on mom's property uh, in favor of the company, <laughs> excuse me, favor of the company that actually uh, has the reverse mortgage. So if you can't find the loan documents, I would start first by finding out what the name of the company is that has the reverse mortgage and then contact them. Uh, I'm sure if they don't know that your mother has died yet, um, although I, it sounds like actually mom may still be alive, um, I don't know that you really need to even specifically look for the loan documents anywhere. If someone has the authority to sell mom's house, then um, they would exercise that authority and sell mom's house. And what would happen is the title company would send a demand uh, demand to the mortgage lender a payoff demand to find out, you know, just what they think they're owed, and that would go into the escrow. Um, it would be a different story if, uh, um, you know, well, actually, even if mom has died, because it's a reverse mortgage, it's secured by a deed of trust on the property. If someone goes to sell the property, part of that process would be to notify any company that has a loan against the property so that they can put the demand for the payoff for the loan into escrow for the sale. So um, you don't necessarily need to see the loan documents in order to sell the property, provided you have the legal authority to sell mom's property, uh, either under a power of attorney, if, uh, if she's still alive but incapacitated and has no trust, or as the successor trustee of the trust, if she's still alive but incapacitated, or if she is now deceased and you're the successor trustee of the trust, or you are the executor in a probate because mom didn't have a will or only had a will. Um, and, and, that's, and the title company would notify the lender uh, and request a payoff demand uh, be submitted to them showing, and that would be to show how much they are owed or believe they are owed so that it can be uh, paid out of the escrow and the title cleared to the property so a new buyer can actually take take ownership of the property with clear legal title. Okay. Here out of Riverside, the person said, I'm the trustee of my dad's trust. My sister is interested in buying the house in the trust, and she's also a beneficiary of my dad's trust. Um, can she sell? Uh, can she buy the house? Um, the answer is yeah. Um, you could sell the house to your sister, even though she's a beneficiary. You want to know at fair market value? Yes, that could be done. Uh, if your sister is entitled to half of the house, Basically, she only has to buy the other half uh, of the house, uh, meaning your half of the house as the other beneficiary. Um, that will trigger a 50% uh, reassessment of the house property. Uh, unless there's a way, as I talked earlier on the show, unless there's a way to have other assets go to one sibling while this sister 
takes 100% of the house straight from the trust as her distributive share, uh, then you might be able to avoid reassessment. Um, but the, the key here is, yes, a beneficiary can buy property from a trust um, at fair market value. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, so here, John and Mary own desert land as a one-half undivided interest in that property. Can, Valor, uh, can Mary transfer her interest to Mary's own trust? And if yes, is it still a half interest or a quarter interest? Well, if John and Mary own a half undivided interest together, using basic math, each of them owns a one-quarter undivided interest in whatever this property is. So if one of them transfers the interest to uh, his or her own trust, they're transferring a 25% or one quarter interest in the property to their trust. Um, so basically, no one said there would be math, but um, still it was a basic enough math question that I think I aced it. Uh, yeah. Okay. I've just been informed that I have a caller. Ken, uh, uh, if I may ask uh, the name of the caller. Okay, so Ron from San Ramon, you're on the air with attorney Bob Bergman. Why are you calling a lawyer in the middle of the day? Well, Bob, I just became, uh, I was the successor trustee, so I'm the trustee of my mom's trust. She passed away about a month ago. And mm. I'm trying to figure out uh, what that. I do first. Uh, it, all her papers look like they're in order. Uh, we haven't been able to find any assets that aren't in the name of the trust. And so, you know, to start distributing the assets, you know, which is basically to myself and my two brothers, uh, what, what do we do first? How do, how, do, how do we go about that? Well, do you have about three hours? I'm just joking. <laughs> um uh, what what you have to do first is what we call trust administration, which means, and there's a number of steps to take in trust administration. I'll just throw out a few of them right now to give you a sense. First thing is get a tax ID number for your, for your parents' trust because their social security number can't be used anymore to report mm -hmm. anything. Uh, you're going to need to do a tax return for your parent for this tax year if they were filing returns. That will be due the usual time, April 15th. You might have to do, or you'll probably have to do, a tax return for this year for the trust if it's earning income, income, dividends, things like that. Uh, you're going to need, if there's real estate, you're going to need to notify the assessor, uh, what's called a notification of death of real property owner. It's a form the assessor has uh, to let them know that you're, your parent has passed and the date your parent passed and um, where the property is. You have to file one. You can use one form if there's more than one piece of real estate in a county. You let them know who the presumed beneficiaries are and what interest they're receiving. If a trust is involved, you have to provide a copy of the trust to the assessor and let them know that if there's any new property taxes as a result of this death, who should get the bill? 
So uh, was there was there a residence involved? Yes, and it's in the trust. And it's in the trust. Uh, anybody, any of the siblings planning on occupying the residence as their home? No, we've decided to sell it. Okay. Uh, well, the first thing you need to also be aware of is that uh, once you report that or notify the county that your father's passed, uh, there is not going to be any exclusion from reassessment of the property taxes under Proposition 19, which I've mentioned earlier in the mm-hmm. show today, if you've been listening. Um, that means there will be a supplemental property tax bill from the date of death to the date that you sell. So you as the trustee need to be aware there's going to be a tax bill coming. So don't distribute everything out to everybody until you know that tax bill's there and you get it paid. Uh, I would suggest that you consult with an estate planning attorney, uh, maybe in your local area there, one that does estate and trust administration. Uh, You probably want to also engage the services of an accountant to help you with the trust tax return. Even though it's very similar to an individual tax return, it's not identical. And you want to get somebody that has experience doing those returns uh, so that they know what the issues may be. This is the kind of thing I would not recommend a, a do-it-yourself approach. But that's just a few of the things the, to be aware of. There could be other things that are hidden there that that would be uncovered in the course of a full consultation or as things go on. As far as you know, there were no gambling debts from Vegas that are outstanding. Um <laughs> I, no, I, I haven't run into that, and 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 like I said, I, that was probably my my overriding question was: Do you, do we need a uh, uh, an attorney uh, to uh, an estate planning attorney? Uh, estate planning. This is as you mentioned, state uh, state administration. Um, right. And uh, because a lot of your show talks about you know setting these things up, now we're going to use it, <laughs> and that's what right. That's what I'm trying to exactly trying to get and, to that point. And not all attorney, not all estate planning attorneys do administration. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's like, I don't do estate planning litigation. I have a colleague in town here that I refer everything to. I I know the ins and outs. I know the issues, but I just don't do it. It's not something I'm set up to do, but I would suggest, um, consulting. You could go to estateplanning.com, which is the consumer portal for an organization I belong to. And you could search in your area for attorneys that will be able to help you. Um, so I have to say goodbye now because we're coming up on a hard break. But uh, hopefully I gave you at least a direction to head and a few insights there so you can get the process started. So we're coming up on the final break today. And when we come back, I'll finish up the show. It's attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio. Stay tuned for the final segment. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. And welcome back. I'm going to finish up the show today with some more questions and comments from around this great state of California. And the next one comes out of Pasadena, California. Person says, my father is an heir of his mother's trust along with his sister, um, 
My father gets the house and she gets stocks. Uh, Dad is in the early stages of dementia and my aunt, the sister, is threatening to contest the trust, stating that my father is incompetent, which at this point he's not, in order to get access to the house, which is scheduled to be sold. Should I fast-track the sale of the house before she can contest the trust? If so, will she be able to get some of the money from the sale? Can she take over my father's part of the trust? Well, I'll state right up front that the fact that an heir or beneficiary of a trust is in dementia or even now incompetent doesn't affect the trust itself. Uh, This is not the father's trust. This was grandma's trust. Um, And I think the person that's asking is a grandchild. Sounds like the grandchild was put in charge of grandma's trust to handle things. And the aunt, uh, I don't know if the aunt was going to contest the trust, what would she do? Contest saying that her mother, grandma, um, didn't know what she was doing and left the house to her brother and left stocks to her. Um, Contesting the trust, threatened all day long to contest the trust because a beneficiary might be incompetent. What does that have to do with anything? And that's kind of what I mean. It literally has nothing to do with anything. Fast-tracking the sale of the house before she can contest? I don't know what the purpose of that would be. Uh, I would ask the question, has the notice required by law been sent out to the beneficiaries of the trust? That's probate code 16061.7. 16061.7, which gives 120 days from the date of the notice if a copy of the trust is provided with the notice. Uh, And after 120 days, someone cannot contest the trust anymore. Uh, What I would advise this person is send out that notice if you haven't done it already. Let the 120 days run. Uh, Basically, call your aunt's bluff force her to file some kind of contest. Uh, The trust itself may even have provisions that cause the loss of an inheritance if there is a contest of the trust that is not successful. I'd look at that as an attorney to see whether or not um, there is something that could cause the aunt to lose her inheritance completely, which would mean it would all pass to the father of the person asking the question. I don't see how the aunt would be able to get any of the money from the sale of the house because if she wasn't left the house at all, there'd be no basis for her claiming any interest in the proceeds from the sale of the house. And I don't see how she could take over her brother's part of the trust. Um, There's no basis at all for doing that. So um, just to... uh, call the ant's bluff, I would say let the clock run out on the time to file a contest and then proceed with your life and winding up the affairs of the trust. Uh, In a case like this, when threats are being made, you should have legal counsel involved, someone to help guide you through this. Um, Don't try to guide this on your own, uh, especially giving the proper notices, keeping everything above board, 
and keeping everything um, out in the open and transparent. And you should be fine. Okay, what is the legislative time frame when the executor of a trust, meaning the trustee of a trust, must distribute the assets? There is none. There is no legislative time frame. There's no statutory time frame of any kind. Instead, the, the general rule is you take as much time as is reasonable. Uh, now, here it says there's two houses in the trust, four beneficiaries. One beneficiary is the trustee and refuses to put the houses on the market for sale. Other three beneficiaries have repeated the request of the houses be sold. Well, in a case like this, if there's a refusal to actually act to distribute or otherwise sell the assets, the three beneficiaries may need to go to court and ask the court to remove the one that is not acting in their best interest by getting the properties on the market for sale. I suspect that the beneficiaries, the trustee, is actually living in one of the properties and doesn't want to move anytime soon. I see that kind of thing happen over and over and over again. So they need to get an attorney to write a letter to the trustee and say, look, get these properties sold. We want our inheritance. Otherwise, we'll go to court and request that the court remove you and put somebody else in charge as the trustee to carry out the wishes of the creator of the trust. So we're about out of time today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, you can always call me at 408-247-0444. Uh, you can also go to my website, brand new website at lawbob.com. You can book a call with me with a button right on the website, a 15 minute call, which could be up to 45 minutes if it gets interesting. And uh, feel free to do that. I'd be happy to talk with you about your estate planning needs or concerns and how I might be able to help you. Until next week, this is Attorney Bob Bergman. Have a great weekend. Bay Area. You've been listening and to Plan goodbye. Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose. 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.